Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5.30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Biden's going to give a speech tonight about uh, World War III, or at least uh, how he's going to avert it, but I don't have any confidence that Biden will. And uh, Iran is not playing nice, apparently. That's from the Department of Defense. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. <coughs> the... Um, Pro-Hamas Jew haters Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar rushing away from the cameras when asked their questions, asked questions about their lies, their distortions around uh, their pro-Hamas policies. We will get into that as well. But first, I want to start with Jim Jordan, because all hope is not lost here. I, I know that this is not working out the way that we thought it would. You know, we really hope by now Jim Jordan was going to become the Speaker of the House and Hope Springs Eternal here. I still hope that Jim Jordan will make it. He talked to reporters earlier today, and he said that he still intends that he will become the Speaker of the House, that the vote has been postponed. This is what he said. Take a listen. So I'll just say this. We made the, we made the pitch to um, members on the resolution as a way to lower the temperature and get back to work. Uh, we decided that wasn't where we're going to go. I'm still running for speaker, and I plan to go to the floor uh, and get the votes and win this race. But I want to go talk with a, a few of my colleagues. Particularly, I want to talk with the 20 individuals who voted against me um, so that we can move forward and begin to work for the American people. Good. I'm glad. You know, it's it's really important here that he pushes back. It, Jordan is exactly the guy that we need right now who's not just going to sign blank checks. The one thing that I think everyone needs to agree on is that any aid to Israel needs to be separate from Ukraine. Any aid to Ukraine needs to be separate from Israel. And aid to either country needs to be separate from any continuing resolution or any omnibus bill. In other words, if we're going to have bills that keep the government open, Ukraine funding is out. Israel funding is out. Those votes are separate votes. The continuing resolutions, the omnibus bills, should deal with America, period. And then you have debates on the other things. And tying Israel and Ukraine together is another cheap way to give cover for the Republicans who would go home to their districts and proudly say, I voted to give Israel aid against this war uh, with Hamas. But I didn't want to do Ukraine funding, you know, but they made me do it because they tied it together. We got to stop giving these people cover. We got to stop giving these people cover. Enough is enough. See, Jordan will make you have an up or down vote. That's why they're trying to stop this guy. That's why they want to stop him. And this whole idea that um, Matt Gates is to be punished for this. That Matt Gates is supposed to be um, vilified because he got rid of Kevin McCarthy. And so they're not going to let Jim Jordan, who's a good guy and a solid conservative, popular with the base. He's probably the second most popular conservative in America behind Donald Trump over Matt Gates. 
This is what Matt Gates had to say about that. Cut number one. I think that I'm against Speaker Light. I'm against Bud Light. I believe it is a constitutional desecration to not elect a Speaker of the House. We need to stay here until we elect a Speaker. And if someone can't get the votes, we need to go on to the next person. But but twisting and torturing the Constitution to empower a temporary speaker is having a speaker light that is not constitutionally contemplated, is deeply infirm, and I will do everything possible to stop it. Good for him. Good for him for saying so. I also want to mention, you know, as we think about where we are, we, we talked to a father earlier in the show and his attorney. They're fighting the Cherry Hill School Board, the state of New Jersey, under this idea that, hey, listen, you're not going to adopt policies that say that I, as a parent, can't know what my kids are doing when it comes to identifying as transgender. In New Jersey, where King Philip the Unaccountable is the governor, he wants to be the California of New Jersey. That's what he said. He wants, he wants New Jersey to be the California of the East Coast. Let me, let me uh, rephrase that. He's very proud to say that. And he wants to run for president and his own political ambitions are hurting Democrats in New Jersey because his ideas are so nutty and loopy that they don't conform with what Democrats running in suburban districts in New Jersey need to articulate right now. But when you're an arrogant, narcissistic egomaniac and you want to be president like Murphy does or like Newsom does, you don't care. But it should matter because the environmental regulations that these two idiots are pushing the two, the, the bi-coastal idiots here, Newsom and Murphy, two tyrants, one with beautiful, wonderful hair, the other one with a freaking rug stapled on his head. These two guys are destroying this country. Here's what I mean. John Stossel, Reason.com. California environmental regulations are driving truckers out of Pennsylvania. California's new rules which Pennsylvania's Environmental Quality Board opted to copy, will increase the cost of a new truck by about one-third. Pennsylvania's Peter's Peter Brothers Trucking delivers goods all across America. Owner Brian Wenner says Pennsylvania bureaucrats are now driving him out of his home state. He says, we have no say. We can't do anything about it. No say because Pennsylvania's new rules don't come from Pennsylvania. They come from California. And this guy, this trucking company owner, says, I don't want to be anything like California. But too bad for him and other Pennsylvania truck owners because Pennsylvania's Environmental Quality Board decided their state will automatically copy California regulations. California's rules will raise the price of a new truck by about one-third. Trucks that once cost $190,000 will now cost $260,000. Who's paying for that? You are. We are. The consumers are. Of course we are. Everybody has to deal with the fact that we pay for whatever increased cost the government puts on business. It's passed on to you and it's passed on to me. Period. California regulators said this new air pollution regulation is needed because the trucks that people like this guy Wanner in Pennsylvania drive contribute greatly to serious health and welfare problems. That's ridiculous, he says, though. We have come so far in the last 40 years. In 1980, one truck produced as much pollution as 60 trucks today. So to reduce pollution, we want people to buy new trucks. But if you put these costs on us that we cannot afford, we're going to just run the older trucks. That's what we call an unintended consequence. The regulators don't think about that. They never do. They never do. Because it's not about that. It's not about the environment. It's not about the air you breathe. It's about Gavin Newsom's ego and Phil Murphy's ego. And these two idiots, the bi-coastal tyrants, they both want to run for president of the United States of America. So they're both destroying energy independence for America by making rules in their state that other states are now turning around and adopting. And that is hurting everybody. It's hurting the trucking industry, and it's hurting you. California's environmental regulations are crushing Pennsylvania. This piece from the Daily Signal, John Stossel. And he talks about this. And he says that when you go on and you think about the fact that no one in Pennsylvania ever voted for the standards that now control Pennsylvania because you have this unaccountable board, this Pennsylvania environmental board, much like the executive orders that Murphy issued in New Jersey, 
Nobody has a say about these things. California's rules will, will soon get more expensive because Governor Gavin Newsom has decreed that soon all new vehicles must be electric. Where did that also, where did that other uh, royal decree come in? New Jersey, King Philip the Unaccountable coming out and saying that, yes, all new vehicles sold in New Jersey must be electric. But electricity, of course, comes from fossil fuels. In Pennsylvania, some of that comes from coal, and a lot of it comes from natural gas. So to power all electric trucks and cars, Pennsylvania is going to have to produce and burn more fossil fuels. Here's another problem. Electric trucks are heavier. That's right, which means it's harder on the roads. Electric trucks, like electric cars, are very heavy. You know, they are having to redesign parking garages now to deal with the weight of electric vehicles, electric cars. Well, electric trucks are also very, very heavy, heavier than standard trucks. How many times you drive through a town and you see signs that say no trucks, gross vehicle weight above this can be on this road. And they have all kinds of signs about that. Remember something. They're about to get a whole lot heavier without even having their load, without even having any cargo in those trucks whatsoever. Electric trucks have a very low mileage radius, so you can't work all day. It's nothing that you can take across the United States. So for every big, heavy rig that's on the road, the damage that that done to the highway, I had an engineer once tell me, and I couldn't believe this, so I had to ask him twice to make sure that I wasn't mishearing him. The equivalent of one big, heavy 18-wheeler is about 60,000 cars in terms of what it does to the highway. The weight of that is about 60,000 cars. I was like, I can't, that doesn't make any sense when you think about the weight of just it defies common sense and reason. But that's how much, that's how much the weight of these big heavy rigs does to a standard road, highway, et cetera, in terms of the accumulation of the damage. Because it's not just a matter of just timesing the weight of a car. It's a matter of you also have the cars on the road. You have all this happening. Well, now they're about to get even heavier, which means you and I as taxpayers are going to be dealing with more potholes, more damage to roads, and we're also going to be dealing with more fees and tolls to fix all that. Nobody talks about that, do they? Nobody brings that up. Nobody mentions that. That if you've got heavier cars and heavier trucks on the roads and that does more damage to the roads, that means that all these little commissions out there, the bridge commissions and this commission and that commission, they're all going to turn around and say, well, we got to raise fees. We got to raise tolls. Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission will do it. The New Jersey Turnpike Commission will do it. The Pennsylvania Bridge Commission will do it. They'll, They'll all do it. And again, nobody has a say in any of this. None of this. Gavin Newsom knows that if he's going to run for president one day with that beautiful coiffed hair of his with a carbon footprint of 42,000 tons of CO2 with all the jelly puts in it, because that gel is petroleum based, by the way. That guy knows that if he's going to be in Iowa competing against King Philip the Unaccountable with that stapled rug on his head, he's got to show all the environmental whack jobs out there that he's more environmentally woke than Murphy is. So then Murphy has to compete by saying, I killed more whales, I killed more dolphins, and I mandated EVs, and I'm mandating electric trucks too. And since these trucks are not going to be able to go all day, they're going to go for shorter distances, that's going to be that's going to increase the cost of labor that's also going to get passed on to you in the form of higher goods obviously this is a recipe for disaster that is waiting to happen and it's all because of egotistical politicians that's the bottom line now bringing it back to the national front for a second here when you think about what can be done on the national front Well, for example, when we talk about reigning in the Chevron deference doctrine, where we say that the executive agencies can't just make up laws and regulations willy nilly and Congress actually has to make laws. All right. We talk about the Project 2025, which I talked about yesterday with EJ and Tony. It's being led by the Heritage Foundation and other groups. It would restore accountability to the executive branch of government. I know you're going to say to yourself, well, wait a second, doesn't that, isn't that actually uh, the opposite of what you just said in terms of taking power away from these bureaucrats in the executive branch and handing it back over to Congress? The difference is that the executive branch won't make regulations. They'll enforce them. But what they will do is they will have people there who are in the enforcement department accountable to the president. 
So, for example, if the president of the United States of America tells the EPA, I want you to be more business friendly, the EPA has to be more business friendly because the president is telling them to be more business friendly. And that's a good thing. That's a very, very good thing. On the speaker level, what you have right now is you have a bunch of Republicans who think that they're going to be well-liked if they all go along with what the Democrats like. I asked E.J. Antonia a question yesterday on the show. I said, so did Trump spend too much money? He said he did, but you have to realize something. He got talked into it and tricked by the swamp led by Paul Ryan, who came out there and said at the time, listen, just trust us. And it's kind of like that line in Animal House, you know, you messed up, you trusted us. Obviously, I censor that. Paul Ryan and the others, Kevin McCarthy's the same way. These guys do these things because they want to be able to have the, the establishment, the uniparty, the corporations, the reasonable pundits, the reasonable people on TV all like them. So they act like Democrats. And you and I get screwed. We get screwed. Truck drivers get screwed. People that buy stuff get screwed. People that buy goods as opposed to stealing them pay more for these goods. And nobody pushes back on this stuff. They're so worried about Jim Jordan becoming speaker that Nancy Pelosi is actually comparing this to January 6th. Here's the clip of the vampiric one as she has risen again, saying this obviously far away from garlic and sunshine. Take a listen. When we've had a... a, uh a speaker's race on our side or their side, we've always respected each other's judgment. But today and yesterday, that, that was an assault on our democracy as Jim Jordan assaulted our democracy on January 6th. An assault on our democracy. You see what she's saying there? Let me translate that for you because I speak vampire. What she's saying is that we've always had speakers in the past who will do what Democrats want. And Jim Jordan's not that guy. See, McCarthy was, but Jim Jordan's not. And that's why we don't want him. And do what Democrats want. If you don't do what the Uniparty wants, if you don't just write blank checks to Ukraine, if you don't just go along with all the regulations that are coming out of the executive branch and you don't try to fight back on these things, then that's an assault on our democracy. An assault on our democracy. Think about that for a moment. Think about that. By the way, uh, Sidney Powell has uh, pled guilty in the case in Georgia. The Kraken, Sidney Powell. I wasn't a real fan of her back in 2020. You know, a lot of people kept doing the hashtags. Uh, what did they say back then? They would say, unleash the Kraken and all these other things. I was not a huge Sidney Powell fan back then. She pled guilty today in court in Georgia. The question is, why? Why is she pleading guilty? Why is she not fighting this? And what does this mean? Is she going to turn on Trump? Is she going to try to get out of this herself and weasel out of this the way that many lawyers do? I don't know. CNN's certainly predicting that. CNN's legal analyst Eli Honig saying that Sidney Powell's guilty plea could be devastating for Donald Trump. Cut number three. It's important to remember who Sidney Powell is. She's one of Donald Trump's closest loyalists. She's somebody who Donald Trump has claimed he relied on her advice to proceed in his effort to try to steal this election. This is a major breakthrough for prosecutors, potentially a devastating development for Donald Trump, because what's going to happen now is Sidney Powell is going to testify for prosecutors in Georgia And presumably, she'll also be prepared to testify for Jack Smith in his federal case in Washington, D.C. She's not indicted in that case, but she's listed as a co-conspirator in that case. She's going to be able to provide insider information that could be really devastating towards Donald Trump. She was in the room where some things, if not happened, were at least discussed, Ellie. She was part of some of these contentious meetings that allegedly took place in the White House before January 6th. How can prosecutors now use her? So you use her to bring your jury into that very room. She will be the guide. She will be the narrator. She will be able to say, I was in this room with Donald Trump, with Rudy Giuliani. Here's what we discussed. Here's who said what. Here's what we knew. And John, really importantly, in order to take this plea and this deal, Sidney Powell is going to have to acknowledge what we did was criminal. It was illegal. It was a crime. And so that's going to lend a lot of credibility, I think, obviously, to prosecutors' assertions that what Donald Trump did was knowingly a crime, was an intentional crime. So now they've sort of got an ultimate insider, somebody who has remained steadfastly loyal to Donald Trump, to the stolen election narrative. Now she has flipped. 
Now she has come clean. Now she's going to be a prosecution witness. You hear how excited they are? The excitement in their voice. What did they discuss that was illegal, though? See, that's that's the thing. What what did they discuss that was illegal? You know, sound they don't say that. Oh, she's going to be the guide to what was said in the room. What was said in the room? What? This Georgia case hinges on nonsense. Again, it's it's a freedom of speech issue. They believe the election was stolen from them. Donald Trump calls up the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, and says, I only need, what, 11,000 votes or something? He doesn't tell him, go make them up. He doesn't say, go in the back and print them. If Sidney Powell's out there and she's, she's talking smack on Dominion, that's a civil matter. How is that a criminal matter? And Dominion dealt with that by suing her ass off. So where's the crime in that exactly? If these people are all denying the results of the Georgia election, when did that become a crime? It's only a crime if you're a Democrat. So what is Sidney Powell pleading guilty to exactly? But the, like rats, they scurry. They really do. They scurry. They, 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 they really, they, they're just so afraid. So she pleads guilty now in this Georgia election interference case. She admitted to six misdemeanor counts of conspiracy and committing intentional interference with performance of election duties. What were her election duties? Was she a poll worker? I must have missed that. Following the 2020 presidential election. Prosecutors agreed to diminish her seven felony counts to six misdemeanor counts of conspiracy. She was supposed to join co-defendant Kenneth Chesborough for a criminal trial, but now with this guilty plea agreement, she doesn't have to. She will be required to testify at future trials and write an apology letter to the people of Georgia for going along with former President Donald Trump's claims about election subversion in 2020. So... She was the attorney giving Trump the advice that he should fight. Think about this now. The attorney, Trump's not a lawyer. Trump's a political candidate. At the time, he's president of the United States of America. She's his attorney, and she's giving him legal advice, saying you should go out there and say these election machines are, are being manipulated. You should go out there and say that there's um, voter fraud happening, that Democrats are flooding the mailboxes, and you do all these things. And she's going to, go in court and say that she gave him that legal advice and that's what how's that on him is my question how is that on him but you see what george is doing right now this district attorney in georgia must much like the district attorney in new york much like the federal prosecutor jack smith what they're trying to do is to create this elaborate fantasy in which by donald trump denying that he lost the election american civil rights were violated how Joe Biden's president. You can't even show me the harm in all this. There used to be a thing a long time ago where you'd have to say, well, like, for example, I made a uh, comment to somebody the other day about, well, if I can prove that my reputation was damaged, can I sue? And they said, yeah, if you can prove your reputation was damaged. What's the harm that was caused by anything Donald Trump said when it relates to Georgia, for example, just Georgia for a moment? Joe Biden's president. See, this is what I don't think people talk about enough. All these cases around the election interference of 2020, where they say American civil rights were deprived. How? The guy that you wanted to win won. He's in the White House right now, Joe Biden. Everybody who's out there suggesting that dead people voted or the machines were fugazis or that Democrats stuffed the mailboxes or that there were mules out there and everything else, they're entitled to say all those things. Why not? And what's the harm for them saying those things? Oh, well, well, uh, the civil rights of, uh, of the American people were, were hurt because the comments were made that they, Biden is in the White House right now. I mean, the world lost, the country lost, we're screwed by the fact that he's there. But what harm was actually caused by all this? I mean, one thing if you uncovered this plot where Trump is president right now and they found out that Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and all these other people in Georgia, they actually were able to uh, find 50,000 votes under a truck. And I'm sorry, that's what Democrats said and make Trump president or something. But the argument is by by their comments that Trump actually won in Georgia, that the people of Georgia would deprive their civil rights or the election was interfered with. Those comments were made after the election was over. So where was the harm? If you're going to pursue a criminal case against somebody, don't you have to show how somebody was hurt by all this? Don't you have to show how people suffered? 
Who suffered? The Democrat, the Democrat won. He won the, he's president right now. So where, what, what are the merits of this case? What is Sidney Powell pleading guilty to? Pleading guilty to being a dumbass lawyer, giving bad advice, going on television and making her Donald Trump believe that by hammering these voting machines that that was in some way, shape or form going to help him? Because if that's the case, then she should plead guilty to that. She gave him terrible legal advice, as did Rudy Giuliani. But that's not a crime to give bad legal advice. I mean, you may be disbarred for it. If you intentionally give your client knowingly wrong advice, that that's a crime. But if you give somebody bad, I mean, there's lawyers every day that give their clients terrible advice, really bad advice. If it's egregious and it's an ethics violation, you could you, they could bring you up on charges with the state bar. But, I mean, there are a lot of bad lawyers out there. Sidney Powell's one of them. So what is she pleading guilty to exactly? Being a bad lawyer? Coming up with this strategy to go out there and have the former president of the United States spend so much time talking about election conspiracy and election interference? Well, then that's on her. And if he said those things, so What? Even if the election had changed and gone his way, so what? He's still allowed to say those things. This is still a free country where you're allowed to disagree with election results. And the only reason why I know that is because every Democrat who said Russia stole the election in 2016 is literally right now roaming the streets a free person. They're all free. They're roaming the streets as we speak. But the enthusiasm, the joy, the joy that we have here in the CNN panelists going on. But the, you notice in that entire clip, which was about almost two minutes, they can't say what actually what actual thing Sidney Powell can accuse the former president of. They have no idea what this means. Other than they get to go, oh, this is bad for Trump. Oh, it's really bad for Trump. Trump bringing people like that into his orbit was a huge mistake, but it's not a crime. And Sidney Powell should know better than to plead guilty to this. But again, like a rat scurrying, she's going to try to save herself. So she'll come out and what she'll say, my opinion is she'll come out and she'll say that we all sat around and we decided to create this elaborate hoax that the election was stolen with the hopes of convincing people that the um, election should be overturned, that the uh, there should be another election, that there should be uh, there should be a recount, there should be uh, the, the election votes sent back to the state of Georgia, the legislature should look at it. And the only thing I could turn around to say to that is, but did any of those things occur? No. So you sat around and you had a you had a strategy session, a bad strategy session, I might add, and nothing happened. And that's a crime that you just pled guilty to? Oof. 855-839-1210 is the number. I really have a hard time with turncoats like her. I have a, people like her, Michael Cohen, these other people that um that that flip on Trump like this. They 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 I hope there's a very hot place in hell for them. <laughs> the old saying, we Italians say, hope is a very special hot place in hell for you. I have a real hard time with people that flip. I don't, I, loyalty is very important to me in life. It really is. Loyalty to me is everything. And people that know me know that I'm one of the most loyal people you will ever meet in life. But you cross me and I don't forget. And I can't stand and I have no patience for people that, Pretend to be on your side, and then when it serves their interest, they flip on you. And there's a lot of people who surrounded themselves with Trump. They were happy to take the money. They were happy to take the fame. They were happy to go on television. They were happy to become social media stars. They were happy to become rich. But when the heat came down on him because the the intelligentsia wanted to stop him, and they still want to stop him, then suddenly now they're the, the first ones to flip on him. Isn't that something? They're the first ones to flip. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. The White House last night posting out a picture, shameful, awful, 
hardworking, brave heroes, the United States Delta Force, and they put their faces. These are people in some of the most dangerous theaters of combat, doing some of the most highly classified, dangerous operations we can only read about as the stuff of novels and movies. And the White House put out a picture last night of Joe Biden shaking hands with these Delta Force members and showed their faces so that every enemy knows exactly who they are. And with facial recognition technology, we'll be able to figure them out just like that. And it wasn't only until hours later that the White House media team came out and said it was a mistake after hundreds of thousands of people had viewed the picture of these brave Delta Force members, the elite of the elite, special forces. It was an Instagram post deleted, now deleted by the White House, which was posted uncensored. Thank God good people put the blacked out pictures of the Delta Force members' faces on social media to call out the White House, but they took the time to put the black boxes on their faces so people would not see their faces. The White House's excuse for this was, as soon as this was brought to our attention, we immediately deleted the photo. We regret the error and any issue this may have caused. Any issue? Any issue? These are people that take out some of the, the, the biggest terrorists in the world. Any issue? They're now going to be using facial recognition technology to figure out who these guys are, where their families are. Any issues this may have caused? It's outrageous. It really is. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Listen, let me tell you, as we uh, continue along the show here, I will be getting out of here at 6 o'clock tonight to head over to Parks Casino for Comedy Night. Our buddy Michael Pelka will be stepping in. Of course, he'll do a great job for you. But I'm so excited for December 15th. It's our next time live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. you got to join us for that. Oh, the Grand Hotel is my happy place. I love it there. I really do. And you will love it as well. The Grand Hotel of Cape May beautiful indoor heated pool big whirlpool game room for the kids Hemingway's restaurant right on site with breakfast lunch and dinner and wonderful people who will take great care of you so what are you waiting for go there today and make your reservation and use my name Zioli and you will save 15% off your midweek bookings that's right midweek bookings just simply go to grandhotelcapemay.com grandhotelcapemay.com and use my name Zioli and mark your calendar for December 15th these live shows are a blast we always have an incredible time together we have a lot of fun we laugh we enjoy each other's company and you will love staying at the Grand Hotel so whether it's a romantic weekend getaway or a time to take away get the kids away for the week whatever you want to do make it at the Grand Hotel of Cape May wineries breweries great restaurants so many fun things to do and the crowds are gone the weather great make your reservation today promo code zioli to save 15 percent off your midweek stays at my happy place the grand hotel of cape may new jersey call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It is uh, Thursday night. Phillies are underway. I have not heard the bell ring yet. Any any dings? Uh, no, not not no quite. dings no. yet. Uh, Brandon fought for the uh, Diamondbacks. He's pitching a pretty good game so far, actually. Is he good? Excellent. Yeah. Well, no, not excellent. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, not not excellent. <laughs> I mean, uh, excellent that you're watching. That's what I meant. Yes. You're monitoring it as I'm teeing yeah. off on Sidney Powell. Okay, good. <laughs> excellent. You do your job. I'll do mine. <laughs> fair enough uh fair enough uh let's see here now i got some other audio to grab i think matt you sent me a clip of 
Which uh, which whack job was this that was running down the hallway? Was it Talib or yeah, Ilan Omar? Yeah, this is Rashida Talib. I don't know what building she's in. I think it's one of the Capitol Hill office buildings. But uh, reporters are asking her about her history of anti-Israel um, comments, and uh, she's literally just sprinting through the hallways trying to get away from people. Here it is. Senator Tester, why did you vote to allow mass boycotts of Israeli products by anti-Semitic activists? Senator Tester, why did you vote to allow American taxpayer dollars to fund Hamas, the terrorist group attacking Israel? Do you regret voting to send billions of dollars to Iran and voting in the state sponsor of terrorism? Sorry, that is Senator Tester, not Rashida Tlaib. That's okay. Senator Tester is another another slime ball who's been running around today. Uh, he got lectured pretty good by Josh Hawley today. We'll grab that audio as well. Um, let's see here now. The the other thing I wanted to mention to you, just kind of stepping away from World War Three for just a, a mention here, uh, just for just for a moment, is that when you think about media coverage, the shameful media coverage. And it's very rare that I have to agree with either people like uh, Dan Abrams from Mediate or little Brian Stelter. Now, we have not heard from Brian Stelter in quite some time. Last time I checked, he was getting ready for the prom. He's going through puberty. Voice cracks quite a bit. It's an awkward time for him. It's an awkward time for him. But Brian Stelter tore into the media for their atrocious uh, covering of the Gaza hospital bombing. And so I got to give credit to people like little Brian Stelter, even though he's going through puberty at the time. And this is very awkward for him. This phase, maybe he's, you know, maybe like when you go through puberty, you become a man. Maybe like when Brian Stelter's going through puberty now, maybe he'll become an actual journalist. I don't know. It's possible. Cut number six. You know, sometimes, Dan, you're out there criticizing the media and I want to defend the media, but there is no defense here. This was an atrocious uh, series of mistakes by many different major newsrooms all around the same time on Tuesday. And unfortunately, I don't think there's been enough follow up or accountability to make sure it doesn't happen again. I've noticed oftentimes in breaking news stories, breaking news scenarios, when information is lowest, interest is highest. And by the time we actually know the facts, people move on. Well, this was one of those cases, but it was even worse because when the stakes are highest, it seems the standards were the lowest and it should be the opposite. The standards should be the highest when the stakes are as high as they are right now. What are you most concerned about in terms of the media coverage that that we've seen so far? I don't know why this was called a strike right away. Why not an apparent explosion? I don't know why reporters went with those huge reports of death of, of deaths, hundreds of alleged deaths, when it had only been 30 or 60 minutes since the explosion. Common sense would indicate that we didn't know yet how many people might have died. There is no doubt this was a tragedy at the hospital, but there was this rush to judgment based on a one-sided story from a whatever the opposite of a reliable source is. And that's what was so disturbing about Tuesday. And like I said, because there hasn't been a follow-up, a kind of series of accountability, uh, I'm worried that it could keep happening. Well, in addition to no follow-up of accountability, uh, Ben Collins is still failing to correct the Gaza hospital story. He, and he's a Walter Cronkite Award winner. Ben Collins is a reporter for NBC News who specializes in coverage of disinformation and extremism, particularly on social media. His work has earned him many plaudits, including a 2023 Walter Cronkite Award for Excellence in Television Political Journalism. That's from Robbie Suave over at Reason. Collins is treated as an expert in the burgeoning field of countering the spread of misinformation, yet his error rate is noteworthy. Take the Gaza hospital explosion, for example. On Tuesday, reports surfaced that the Ali Al-Ali Arab hospital in Gaza had come under attack, resulting in as many as 500 deaths. The New York Times ran with the following headline, Israeli strikes kill hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say. Underneath this headline was an image of an obliterated building. Readers who squinted would have noticed that this was not the hospital, but a completely different target. The New York Times' only source for information about the explosion was the Gaza Health Ministry. Mainstream reporting noted that Palestinian authorities laid the blame squarely on an Israeli airstrike. Subsequent intelligence reports from both Israel and the U.S. provide credible evidence that the hospital was most probably struck by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terrorist group. And the hospital, by the way, wasn't even struck. It was the parking lot that was struck. Minimal damage to the building. 
Did Ben Collins soberly wait for these facts to come out? Nope. The award-winning disinformation expert helped circulate the inaccurate claims on the, of the Palestinian authorities. I mean, literally, these people took Hamas's word and the Palestinian Authority's word for it, and they all jumped in. All the corporate media in the United States jumped in and pushed out the exact same story. Tlaib, Ilan Omar, etc., etc., etc. And here's this. Disinformation reporters often seem interested in sparring only with contrarian people and in defense of mainstream narratives, whether it's Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, Elon Musk, and others. For instance, Ben Collins of NBC News downplayed the New York Post Hunter Biden laptop story and denied that there was any effort to censor the lab leak theory of COVID-19, even in the wake of ceaseless revelations that various government agencies pressured social media companies to deplatform contrarian speech about precisely these topics. But I mean, it goes on and this, this is this guy's a real slime ball. He's not alone, though. He, he's just one example of this. Reuters reported that U.S. lawmakers were seeking answers from Meta, X, Google, and TikTok about the spread of false information on these platforms. Senator Michael Bennett, a Democrat of Colorado, said deceptive content has ricocheted across social media sites since the conflict began, sometimes receiving millions of views. This is exactly why I have been telling you the entire show today, the reason why the government wants to control information, why they keep throwing the misinformation word in our faces, is because of pains in the ass like you. Yes, you with your tweets and you with your passing along videos you found on TikTok or Instagram or whatever else or texting me things. And when you when you do that, you 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 are a real thorn in their side, you know, whether it's a Hunter Biden laptop story, COVID-19, COVID vaccines or this bombing of a hospital that wasn't bombed by Israel that did not bomb it. But it was a terror group that blew up a parking lot. But if you're allowed to challenge these things on social media, the government doesn't like that, which is why they're trying to come after these social media groups and why the corporate media, the unholy triad of corporate media, big tech and the government all work together to try to say what is truth and what isn't exactly like Orwell warned. NBC has removed Ben Collins from covering Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter because he could not remain unbiased in his own reporting. This guy, Ben Collins, is a creep. He really is. He's a real creep. And his latest article, and Rachel Maddow, by the way, she retweets Ben Collins all the time because he's, she's MSNBC. He's NBC. Who's, who, who owns NBC? Comcast. That's right, Comcast. That's why I call them the corporate media. Collins' reporting often contains basic errors that suggest he doesn't particularly understand the right-wing forces he's denouncing. His most recent article alleges that Elon Musk's plans for Twitter were shaped by a far-right former Trump administration staffer, even though it's fairly clear the staffer wasn't actually telling Musk what to do, but rather warning about what would happen to Musk if he offended the regime, in quotes. If that sounds conspiratorial, try to follow this clip of Collins and MSNBC's Rachel Maddow uh, discussing Elon Musk's plan. In fact, you know what, Matt? Let me send you that clip. It's worth uh, sharing right now if I can get it to open here on the platform of X. This is exactly what I'm talking about. While you load that, let me just also mention this to you as well. Uh, By now, you've seen this viral video of a Canadian leader going viral for munching on an apple while calmly batting down a reporter's questions. It's gone viral, and this guy's great, and I want to play that for you as well before I wrap up the show. But tonight, the president is going to give an address uh, from the Oval Office regarding Israel and Iran, and um, we have some magical Rachel Maddow audio as well, too. All right, which one do you want to use first, Matt DeSantis? Do you want to use... This one or the other one? Uh, go Mad Al first, so it gives me a minute to upload the Collins audio. Actually, well, while we do that, let's do this reporter chomping on the apple. I mean, the uh, the, con- the conservative Canadian guy chomping on an apple uh, while this this lefty in the Canadian media, which is most of them, <laughs> we love this guy. His name is Pierre Polivare. We've played a lot of his clips before. In fact, Henry follows him on, I believe it is well, I don't, on... Well, I don't follow him. He just comes up so much in my TikTok feed, and it's always something like... Like this, like I, I saw this video yesterday of him, yeah, munching yeah. the apple. I thought it was well, you got to you got to immediately text me the minute you see Pover, Pierre Polivare do something cool because this guy's great. <laughs> I, uh, I will. All right. 
immediately. Cut number 10. Um, on the on the topic, I mean, in terms of your sort of strategy currently, you're obviously taking the populist uh, pathway. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, ap- appealing appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels, I would guess. Um, I mean, what certainly, you mean certainly, you, me certainly you tap, certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know this and that. Right wing, you know. I mean, it's that that type of ideological thing. I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I of don't pe- really believe in that. Okay, a lot of people would would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump uh, well, book. Like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but love eating the apple. I don't know who, but well, you're um, the one who asked the question, so yeah. you must know somebody. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, the, the point say. of this the point of this question is, I mean, why should why should Canadians trust you with their vote, given you know not not just the sort of ideological inclination in terms of taking the page of Donald Trump's book but what are you also talking about what page what page can you give okay. me a page give me the page you keep <laughs> in, saying in terms that. in terms of ter- turning things quite dramatically in terms of of Trudeau and and the left wing and all of this I mean you you, you make quite a you know it's it's quite a play that you make on it so I'm, I'm not just sure I don't, under, I don't I don't know what your question okay. is then forget that why should Canadians <laughs> trust you with their vote Common sense. Common sense for for a change. We're going to make common sense common in this country. We don't have any common sense in the current government. You know, the guy prints $600 billion, grows our money supply by 32% in three years. That's growing the money eight times faster than the economy. No wonder we have the worst inflation in four decades. I'm going to cap spending, cut waste, so that we can balance the budget and bring down inflation and interest rates. You'll want to be able to pay your mortgage again. You want to be able to afford rent. Then you have to vote for Pierre Polyev because I am the only one with a common sense plan that will bring back the buying power of your paycheck. It's great. It's fantastic. It's a masterclass in how to deal with the press. And, you know, the guy says, well, people say, he goes, who says that? He goes, I, I don't know who says it, but people say it. Well, you're the one who asked the question. Uh, he's fantastic. This is uh, nutty Rachel Maddow here uh, speculating about what will happen if, I guess, Trump is allowed to run for president of the United States of America. Every now and then, crazy Rachel Maddow shows her, makes an appearance, sometimes with crazy Lawrence O'Donnell. Uh, cut number four. The Republican Party right now has to make a decision, and it's their decision to make. We have party processes for a reason. But ultimately, if you listen to what Trump is saying, you don't just re- sort of regard him as a, um, as a spectacle, but you re- listen to what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's basically portraying a future for America if he is put back in the White House, in which we don't have another election after yeah, that. That's ever. Right. Because the elections are all rigged, that the democratic process can't be yep. trusted, that Congress should just work for him, the Justice Department should just work for him. That's a strong man form of government. That's Don't not what we have. I'll tell news. you what, Michael Pelka, I know you just joined in. I would, I'd like to be eating an apple right now as I'm listening to this. Don't you want to just <laughs> gnaw on an apple? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I was laughing at that cat. I must have watched that whole thing ten times. <laughs> Just because he was brilliant and he waited, you know, I couldn't have waited. I, uh, and it's just casually. So who said that? Who would that be? Yeah. What was the question? He was a, he was a master class professor there. Uh, you know, Rich, uh, I know you're you're getting ready to blow out for uh, for was it Sparks tonight? Parks, parks, parks tonight, but sparks not Sparks Steakhouse where they whack the mobster. No, 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 Parks Casino in Ben Salem where we have comedy night tonight. I've been there, actually. I just yeah, you're just hoping I get whacked so you can take the show over. That's what that is. I know no, that's, no, a, that's, that's a Freudian slip right there, Opelka. Listen, I owe you because I got street cred props Sunday. Um, I was speechifying to the Conservative Caucus of Delaware. And then uh, some guy comes up to me and goes, you're the guy with the hat that Zioli talks about. <laughs> I'm like what? And he goes, you're the, you're the guy with the 46 is greater than uh, 45 is greater than 46 ad. I said, yes, I am. He said, yeah, it's the only talk about. It. So thank you for the street cred. Oh, but, well, you know, my pleasure. I um, is there anything more fun than listening to Rich Zioli try and pronounce names of Middle Eastern terrorists? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't even try. 
<laughs> well, that's a, that's apparent. Yeah, when you round 5.30 and you see the, the finish line coming, you're just like, all right, just throw some consonants and vowels in front of me and I'm going to rip it. <laughs> well, this isn't a game show. All right, so listen, you're taking over the final hour. What are we talking about? Uh, well, I'm worried that the letter H is a problem, and we might have to cancel the letter H, because when you think about it, Hamas, Hezbollah, now the Houthis, mm-hmm. and, and maybe the Hemocrats. We have to do something about all of them. So uh, we're going to go over the updates on the latest things. And did you talk about Fetterman calling the squad and what, uh, what they said uh, disturbing? I did not, so I left that for you. Well, uh, I'm wondering, is John Fetterman Jewish? I don't. I, I always call him John Fetter person. I, I don't get into his gender, oh, so I, you know, I don't know his, well, I, uh, his origin. I go back to Seinfeld. Remember when he said all the superheroes were Jewish? Spider-Man? <laughs> Superman? <laughs> so maybe it's Fetterman? So maybe it's Fetterman? Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's an excellent point. Uh, yeah, he's calling out his own wacko progressive base, but he's still not going to leave the Democrat Party with him. He's going to hang out, right? Well, I just wonder if, you know, if we can extrapolate all of this madness to the future. Will it be <laughs> Fetterman AOC ticket or AOC Fetterman ticket I in love uh, 2028? I love it. It's in the sheer chaos that will ensue. Uh, all right. And last thing I want to ask you before I, I, uh, I turn the show over to you for the fourth and final hour here on the Zioli Show with Michael Pelka, Stunt Brain, uh, taking the lead for us is when you think about the media misinformation that we've heard in the last mm, few days, wouldn't you love if the whole Taylor Swift, Kelsey thing was all misinformation and these two actually hated each other's guts and just went away and died? Or not died, but at least went, like, went away in an island and just left us all alone. Isn't that isn't that the whole story though? Is don't we know that this is just a a a, um, a business agreement? It's got to be right. It has to be. She had the movie come out. She made all that money. They're going to kind of drag. It's kind of like Cory Booker dating a woman just before an election. Oh, so you think she's a lesbian? No, I pray that she's not. I I love her. Uh, just the dreams about her. But I I think this is all business hype. But I think it's just, as I said, it's just like Cory Booker trying to make us all think he was dating a woman before mm. the last election. Another woman, will, another starlet will pop up on Cory Booker's arm before uh, uh, 382 days from now. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. All right, buddy, we'll have a great hour. Go Phils, and I'll be back with you tomorrow, of course, from 3 p.m. until 9 p.m. when I fill in for the great one, Mark Levin. So big show ahead tomorrow, but I want to thank my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo for their amazing support, their amazing sponsorship. And now is a great time to get down there because they have new and certified pre-owned Volvos in stock at Cherry Hill Volvo, right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. I'm telling you, these are great people, and the savings are amazing. With incentives that start at 5 thousand dollars and go all the way up to eleven thousand dollars bridget drives the xc90 a beautiful family car with the third row for the kids i've got the xc40 right now and i'm in a great lease program called care by volvo at cherry hill volvo where every five months you have the ability to get a new volvo keep the volvo you have or cancel the lease all together it's a beautiful beautiful thing so please reach out to them today stand with the people who stand with us it's so important in life i told you loyalty is everything isn't it so cherry hill volvo sponsors the show they sponsor our station so go see them today judith yosef and the entire team would love to see you cherry hill volvo on route 70 in cherry hill where relationships matter rich zioli weekday afternoons three to seven talk radio 1210 wphd and on the free odyssey app Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.